It's good to see you, New City Church. Uh, my name is AJ. I have the privilege of being on staff here at New City, and so I'm excited to open up uh, God's Word for you today. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and get this out of the way, because some of y'all might be thinking this. Yes, Eric and I are dressed alike, okay? <laughs> Great minds think alike is the way we're thinking about it, or we're just hanging out too much. One of the two, uh, but I don't think the second. I just think great minds think alike. Uh, but I am excited that you're here today at New City Church. Uh, if this is your first time, uh, I don't believe you're here by accident, but God uh, has brought you here today, not necessarily to hear from me, uh, but to hear from his word. And so we're going to be in John chapter 21 today. Uh, this is the last chapter of John. And so as you turn on or open up your Bibles, um, we're going to be looking at the first half of John 21 today, and next week Eric will be back up here closing out the book of John, uh, and then uh, on May 15th, uh, we're starting our new sermon series, The Upper Room, which coincidentally is in the book of John, okay? So we're just not getting out of it just quite yet, and so what we're going to do is we're going to jump back uh, to Jesus's last night with the disciples in John 13 through 17, and so I'm excited to jump into that, uh, but I'm even more excited to be here this morning morning with you. Um, and so as we begin to jump into John 21, uh, as I was kind of preparing for this and I began to read, it was like, I felt like Eric did a great job and more than Eric, John uh, and the Holy Spirit wrapped things up really beautifully in John chapter 20. Man, Jesus gives like the kind of John great commission of as the father has sent me now I'm sending you uh, John 20 verses 30 and 31 uh, says or 31 says but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ the son of God and that by believing you may have life in his name that seems like the closing statement like we're good uh, but we get John 21 and I'm actually really thankful for it um, because it's this kind of gift I think of it uh, like an epilogue I love a good epilogue because I just like things tied up neatly in a bow. It answers questions that sometimes the story doesn't always tell uh, or isn't able to kind of bring the conclusion. And so we get this today. What seems like a great conclusion in John 20 uh, leaves us with John 21. And so uh, hopefully we'll see today, or I hope to show you today, kind of our main idea out of John 21, 1 through 14, which is in Jesus we find solid ground. It's going to be in Jesus that we find solid ground. And um, I'm here to tell you today that we are going to go fishing with the disciples. And I am pumped about it. Uh, there's a few things you need to know about me. I love Jesus deeply. I have a wonderful family and love them. And then I love to fish. And so when I figured out, I appreciate it. Uh, man, when I figured out that I got John 21, and we'll see here in a minute, they're like, I'm going fishing. I was like, game on. I just got to figure out how to get the sermon's main point to be, let's go fishing. Uh, but I couldn't be faithful to the text and bring that out. So today we're going to see that in Jesus we find solid ground. And so to help you kind of put together where we're at in John 21, um, just a little bit of context because we begin to see that, man, the disciples are in this like kind of weird stage at the end of the Gospel of John. They're not suffering. Jesus is risen. We looked over the past two weeks that the resurrection has changed everything. And then he's appeared to them twice in rooms that were locked. And so they, they know that Jesus is alive. But um, as I read this, I began to see that they were kind of asking this question of what's next or kind of like now what? Like they've given the Great Commission. Jesus breathed the Holy Spirit onto them. And so now what? What do we do with this? And so we begin to see, like, all right, well, what do they do? 
what, what do you do once you've kind of given, been given, kind of like, all right, go and do this, but it's not super clear. And you've been given this assignment, and you're like, wow, I'm not exactly sure how this plays out. Sometimes you just, I feel this way. I mean, Easter was two weeks ago, and y'all, I had a blast. And I mean, we saw 13 baptisms. I mean, it was bonkers. And now I'm sitting here going, now what? Like, I don't know. Like, okay, let's figure this out. You, you graduate from college and you're like, okay, now, now what? These are good things. You're newly married. And you're like, great, we got there. Now what? Uh, parents, I just always say, now what? Uh, they wake up a day older and I'm like, now what? Like, okay, well, we're going to figure this out, right? Um, praise the Lord for my wife. She, she answers that question. All right, now what? Well, let's go feed them. Okay. Um, all right, that's good. But I think in the same sense, we ask that question when life hits harder. Man, when, when we lose our job, we go, now what? what? What am I supposed to do now, God? Like, I know you've given me this call in my life, but now what? Or we get that call from the doctor or one of our family members does, and we sit there and we go, now what? I think for the disciples, it wasn't necessarily they were in a bad season. Jesus is risen. It's changed everything. But they're in this head-scratching season and I feel like we've been there, like we asked the question, now what, Lord? What, what do I do? Where do I turn for these things? And so we can feel like we're wandering or we're lost. And that doesn't mean there isn't joy and, man, rejoicing in these seasons. But it still means, like, man, now what do, what do we do? I feel like the disciples were asking that as well. Because I'm going to give you a really quick overview of what ha- what's transpired in the book of John. And what we see is these were just ordinary men out fishing, tax collecting, doing things. And Jesus calls them to follow him. He calls them to follow him and they drop everything and they do. And so they walk with him and they interact with him and they witness miracles and experiences teaching and he even unpacks it for them. And they believe that he's the son of God. He is the Messiah, the promised one to come. And so in that, men, they believe in him, but then they also see Jesus betrayed. They see Jesus beaten and crucified. And so they're, they're, then they're really asking, like, now what? But praise the Lord, three days later, he rises, and the resurrection, as we've talked about, changes everything. And so he appears to them, and we know that he's appeared uh, in other places as well through the other Gospels. And so we're, they're left going, okay, okay, now what? Now what? And so we come to the first verse of our text today in chapter 21. Where it says, after this, and we're going to unpack that in just a moment. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he revealed himself in this way. And so we're going to like slowly walk through the text today together. And so we're just going to stop in verse 1 and ask the question, after this, what, what does this mean? And so as I, all that I, I just unpacked, that quick synopsis of the disciples' past three-plus years, what we begin to see is after this, Literally just means after all of that. But more specifically, it's the festival of unleavened bread where Passover kicks that off and it's this big festival. And then everybody who's in Jerusalem goes back to their hometown um, to be with their families and to do uh, what they were just supposed to be doing for their profession. And so after this means he's appeared twice and he's talked to them and he's ushered them into this uh, new reality with the Holy Spirit. And they're, they're sitting there going, okay. And I'm so excited that Jesus decided to appear in this way. He appears by the Sea of Tiberias, or some people call it the Sea of Galilee, which, Bible trivia fact, it's a freshwater lake. 
Who knew? All right. Um, but so take that to Bible trivia class. All right. But who's he appeared to? So let's go ahead and look at verse two together. All right. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee and two other disciples um, were together. And so we got seven disciples. We got Peter, we have Thomas, Nathaniel, uh, the sons of Zebedee, which we know are James and John. And then we got two other guys. And I'm like, come on, man. Can't you just name the other two? Like there was only 11 of you. Like, what, what are we doing? I don't know if John's throwing shade. I don't know what he's doing. But anyway, that's not important to the story. I'm just always curious of like, man, what, what are we doing here? But don't worry, John's going to throw more shade later. Okay, but here's where I really begin to connect with the story. All right, verse 3. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. Can I get an amen? Amen. Thank you. All right, I am going fishing. They said to him, we will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. And so I'm here to tell you, I resonate with all of verse three, all of it. I've been the guy that's been kind of like, I don't know what to do, so I'm going to go fishing. Okay. I've been the guy that's heard the guy saying he's going fishing. I'm like, I'm going to go with you. Let's go. And I've also been the guy, I'm here to admit, honestly before you, that's gone out and caught nothing. All right. I feel like I'm that guy. You take me fishing. I'm not going to catch anything. And you probably won't either. So that's not, a, that's not an invitation not to take me fishing, though. Just, just so we're clear. But, uh, but that's just kind of how this plays out. But I love this verse. He's like, I'm going fishing. And I'm like, yes. I don't know how to make that a sermon point, but we're going to do it. Um, but we see this. And so what we begin to see is we've talked about Peter a lot in the Gospel of John. Old bonehead Peter. Um, our lovely pastor called us all boneheads. Um, and I loved it. All right, we're there. Uh, he's try but he's a man of action. And I enjoy it. Man, I enjoy it. Like Peter's like, man, I don't know what to do, so I'm going to go fishing. And so I think really before we even dive into our first point today, I think it's important to know that, um, man, people are watching. People are watching what we're doing. Peter says, I'm going fishing in this, in this season of where uh, they've been given the Great Commission. They've had the Holy Spirit. And he says, I'm going to go fishing. And people are going to follow him. And so we need to be careful of what we're doing with our actions. And we'll see that even play out even more so um, as we go into our first point today, which is the old life doesn't satisfy. The old life doesn't satisfy. Because what we begin to see is that the disciples are going fishing, these seven disciples. And they're going fishing at night, which means that they're going to work. You go fishing at night so you can have a fresh catch for the morning market. Uh, you go out at night. It's dangerous. It's hard work. This isn't like a boy's trip, like let's go and have a good time and maybe we'll catch something. There was like purpose and meaning. They were trying to figure out what in the world we're supposed to be doing in this season. And so they go fishing. They went, I, some people would think that like, oh, like they're just abandoning the past three years and the ministry God's given them. I think they're just searching in this section. I, think, I don't think they're abandoning their faith by going fishing. Praise the Lord. Uh, that was the application. But I think what we see in this moment is they're trying to figure out what they need to do. And so they go back to what they know. They go back to their old life of just being fishermen. That's what Peter, James, and John were. And I think we all do this when we feel lost or when we feel like we don't have answers. We feel like, hey, I should, I should turn back into this. I should do what is comfortable to me. Um, because, hey, like I, that just makes sense. It makes sense to go back to the old way of doing things. But uh, what we see here is that they're, they're trying to figure it out, 
uh, but they've forgotten what God has called them to. And it's really easy to forget that when we're, when we're trying to figure things out, when we don't take things before the Lord. And so what we see is that, man, their nets came up empty. And I, I can make funny jokes about not catching fish because I do that a lot. But in a sense, it, it's a real thing. If they've gone out and they're trying to figure out life and it's still not working. And I, I think where I, what I pulled from this this morning was this idea that once you've tasted the goodness of the Lord, Man, the old life just cannot satisfy anymore. I can, I can testify to that, and I'm not going to get too crazy up here. But, man, I've seen it, and I've tasted the goodness of the Lord. Man, I've seen it in my own life. I can look back just five years ago, and I'm like, man, that is the goodness of the Lord to have me here where I'm at here today. Man, I, I've seen it when I've seen marriages restored, when I've seen addiction broken, and I've seen people trust in Christ for the first time. I'm like, man, this is the goodness of the Lord. This is what I want my life to be about. This is the goodness of the Lord, and I don't want something different. I don't want to go and try to find satisfaction or purpose in anything else but doing the Lord's work. And I, that's not a call for everyone to come join a church staff and to do what I do. But man, our role as church staff is to equip you for the work of the ministry. Because you are all ministers of the gospel to go out and share the love of Christ, to live on mission for him. And so when you're in these seasons of asking, now what? What do I do? Man, we live for Jesus. Man, we go out and we abide in him and we taste the goodness of the Lord. Even if it doesn't make sense, he's promised to be a refuge and a strength. We're able to do this so we can either turn and try to find satisfaction in things or we can turn and rest in the Lord. Now, some of y'all, I'm going to give two examples because one's fishing because, come on. We're here, all right? Uh, but two, I will probably resonate with most of you, okay? Um, one, man, when you've tasted something good, you don't want to go back to the old. Man, I, I've done some tournament uh, fishing in my life, and I'm really thankful for it. Uh, it's a ton of fun. It's ridiculously hard work. Um, and so we would go out. My father-in-law, he, he kind of instilled this in me, uh, this idea of like when we go out, man, we go to catch the biggest fish. I'm like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Like, that's good. We catch some fish, and it's fun. And I'm like, oh, man, this is great. And he's like, no, no, we haven't caught it yet. And I'm like, well, I'm having a good time. Like, this seems to satisfy. But then, let me tell y'all, come on. I was in the U.S. Open a few years back. It's a big old fishing tournament, whole bunch of boats. It's nasty weather, and, man, the fish hits. And it's just, man, it's going, the nut, boat's going nuts. We end up pulling this 38.5-pound king mackerel over the bow of the boat, and the boat goes crazy. There's only three of us, but you'd have thought we'd had a party. Okay, I mean, I'm hooping and hollering, and I would if I wasn't mic'd up and I'd, I'd hurt you, all right? But, man, it was nuts. I was like, let's do this. And so after that, man, every fishing tournament, I was like, you're right. We don't go get that 20-pounder. We go get the 40-pounder. We're going to do it right. Like, we're going to go get after it. I don't, man, I've tasted the goodness. I don't want to go back to this, like, old stuff, these little fish. I don't want that. Some of you are like, AJ, I don't fish. Like, this isn't resonating. This one will, I guarantee. Okay? All right, for 99% of you, all right, because I know the 1% and you're going to be upset by this. All right, hey, I grew up, man, I love McDonald's. I love it. All right, I'm all about it. All right, I got the app. Right, so I ain't, throwing, I ain't trying to throw too much shade. But there's a difference, man, the old life. You, you know McDonald's. You get that McChicken, you're like, okay, this is fine. This is fine. But then you step over. And I, on the right, you step to the right because it's right, okay? Man, you step into that Chick-fil-A. Come on, come on. 
You know it, you get it, you order the number one with fries and a sweet tea and thank you, Lord. Yes, you've tasted goodness. I'm not stepping back over here, okay? I'm sorry, I'm sorry. All right, but you're over here, it's good. You're like, yes, Lord, man. That's what we like, man. That's, that's what it means. I mean, we don't want to step back into the things of this world because they're not going to satisfy. Eating Chick-fil-A. Love it. Love it. Man, it, afterwards, I'm still hungry, y'all. It's delicious, but I'm still hungry. All right? It doesn't satisfy like the Lord satisfies. We can turn to the good things, and God has been gracious and given us a lot of good things in this world. But I know if I go to put my hope in my family, I'm not going to be fully satisfied because they're not meant to fully satisfy me. If I go and put my hope and trust in this job that I'm in, that I'm very fortunate and it's a privilege to be in, I know it's going to let me down because I'm going to fail and I'm going to mess up and I'm going to have these things. And I'm like, wow, man, that didn't work. We can go and we can search out affirmation or success or pleasure, but all those things will be fleeting in this world. But we, we begin to see that, no, let's not turn to the old life and the things of this world. Let's turn to Christ. And so we pick up in our story in verse 4. Because just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore. Yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? They answered him, no um, he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. And so we're going we're gonna to pause right there in our story. Now, I'm going to give you the AJV of what this sounds like to me. And that just means the AJ version, okay? That's not some special version um, of the Bible, okay? But it's the AJ version because I've been on the fishing boat, Okay. And so I see Jesus hollering, and maybe Jesus doesn't holler to you, but I see Jesus hollering right here, saying, hey, boys, y'all got any fish? And they're going, no, which I'm proud of them for. We need to, like, acknowledge. Like, they said no, all right? And then he goes, hey, cast it on the other side of the boat. And now me, if I was on the boat, the most, like, non-sinful thing I'd have done is been done a good eye roll after fishing all night. I'm just going to be honest with you, Okay. But they do, man, they follow, they do it. And man, they catch a ton of fish. And we'll see later that John names it as 153 fish. And I don't know if that's a brag or uh, giving glory to the Lord, but we're just gonna let it be, okay? But in all of these things, what I learned as I studied this text was that uh, in the way Jesus called them children, it was almost like he was looking at this boat full of seven men going, hey, little boys, y'all got any fish? And if I'm on the boat, I'm like, What? Who is this guy like hollering at me? And so, but with that, man, they're honest with themselves. And that leads us to our second point out of this text today is that obedience leads to realization and glory. Obedience leads to realization and glory. And so what we begin to see in this text is that the disciples, though they're trying to figure it out and, you know, with fishing and all this other stuff and it's not working out for them, they're still living the life that God has called them to live. They're still being honest and they're being humble and taking this advice. Because he said on verse 6, he said, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. And they do it. And now they're not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. We see that. We see that they're honest and humble. I'm going to be really honest with y'all right here. Okay, somebody asked me, hey, have you caught any fish? I'm gonna be like, hey, it's a slow day. It's a slow day. That means no, but I didn't have to say no. 
Okay, somebody wants to give me some fishing advice. I'm like, hey, you're, you're, I'm in the boat. I do this for a living. Well, what you doing, man? All right, I'll throw it on the right side. And then it's like, oh, snap. Okay. Um, and we're going to get to that and we're going to have some fun. They're going to have to turn my mic down because I might get excited. But in all of this, um, you may be thinking like, wait, Jesus is standing on shore. He's telling the disciples to throw their net on a certain side of the boat and they catch a whole bunch of fish. This sounds like familiar. And so two more points for Bible trivia um, if you went to Luke 5. But Luke 5 is when Jesus calls his disciples. And he, ho- and, well, I don't know if Jesus hollers in this one. I didn't study that one. But I think he maybe did. Uh, but he hollers and says, hey, throw your net in the deep water. And Peter's like, hey, master, we've been doing this all night. I don't think so. But he does anyway. And he throws it out and they catch a whole bunch of fish. And it's starting to sink the boat. And all these different things are going on. And Peter, they begin to realize, like, light bulbs are going off. And, oh, man, here we go. Uh, he realizes G- who Jesus is. And he goes, um, he fell down on his knees at Jesus and said, depart from me, for I'm a sinful man, O Lord. Man, that that was Peter's response when he first called him. And right after that, man, we see that Jesus calls these fishermen and tells them, man, I want you to be fishers of men. He puts a calling on their life, calls them to be obedient in this and go be fishers of men. And so as we continue in our story, I think light bulbs are going to start going off for the disciples. And so let's look at verse seven and eight. That disciple who Jesus loved, therefore said to Peter, it is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard it, heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment for he was stripped for work and threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish for they were not far off from the land, but about a hundred yards off. And now this is where the story just gets beautiful to me. It really does. Because I'm always curious how these things play out because I've been on a fishing boat. And when things start to go off, sometimes some people react really fast. Some people react slow. I've, um, I've been on a boat and the lines go off and you hear this like sound and everybody just pops up out of their beanbag. Um, and we're like all going crazy and, uh, and it goes up. But some people, man, it goes off and they just give it a second. And it like has to click for them like, wait, oh, something's happening. Now I need to go. And I'm always curious, man, what, what was it like for John in this moment? What was it like for John after you have this interaction where somebody's hollered at you, giving you some instructions, and you're like, I do this for a living, man, but I'm going to do it anyway. Who snap. Because uh, I really would. I feel like when I read that, you got to read it like, it is the Lord. Like, I'm like, oh, man, okay, okay, man. Um, Peter, like, was like, okay, man. Like, oh, yeah, I'm going to put my clothes on because he was probably in his fishing gear. And culture at the time said you need to put your you know, outer garments on. And so he did, and he jumps in the water. And I'm like, man, man of action but also kind of a bonehead. Like, man, you put clothes on to jump in the water. What are we doing right now? Like, I, I, ain't, I ain't picking up what you're putting down, Peter. I don't think John was either because he was like, we're not far off from the land. What are you doing, dude? I just like this picture. I like to like picture things when I read, especially fishing stories. And like John and his boys are like rowing back and they're like, should we help Peter? Nah, that's just bonehead Peter. He'll get there. We ain't far off. We about a hundred yards. And so that's what I hear when I read this. And I'm like, so maybe there is still a little bit of bonehead in them. But in this, though, I believe, man, their obedience is leading to the realization that, it, that it's Jesus on the shore. And sometimes it's even when we don't realize what God is calling us into, but we're just being faithful, that we begin to realize what God is doing. When we're reading our Bible day in and day out, man, begging for God to move and to reveal himself. 
And then all of a sudden, man, things just begin to connect. And you begin to see that now God is producing something in you. He's writing his words on your heart so that as you go out, man, what you speak is an overflow of the heart and it's God's word. And so we begin to encourage one another and build one another up in the gospel. Man, we're honest and humble with ourselves. That's a piece that we don't want to overlook with the disciples. In this time where it's like, now what? What do I do? Man, they were honest with themselves. They said, no, we didn't have any fish. And we can read over that or be like, no, that's a big deal. To realize like, no, we don't have anything. Like we don't, we don't. There's, uh, we have to be honest with ourselves sometimes. Like, Man, I ain't got it. I ain't got it. And I'm willing to take the help. And I'm here to tell y'all, that's hard for me. That's real hard. But God calls me to not walk this life alone. He calls me to do it in community and have what we talk about here at uh, New City Church, authentic relationships. And we have intentional discipleship happening in our lives because we're not meant to be doing these things alone. And so we see that, man, as they are obedient, man, God begins to reveal himself. When we just continue faithfully day in and day out, follow the Lord. It's not always, I mean, this Sunday is a really good illustration. It's not always a 13 baptism Sunday. It's just not. I praise the Lord. And on those Sundays, I promise you, I'm going to be right in the front going, it is the Lord. Like, come on. But there's going to be other Sundays where, like, hey, we're just going to be faithful. We're going to get up and preach God's words. We're going to sing praises to his name. And it is still a special Sunday because God is moving. Not because I'm up here. Let's be, let's be clear about that. But we, we begin to see this. And so are we willing to go into the mundane of life and just be obedient? Even when it isn't all the flash and the 153 fish, are we willing to walk in obedience and just see what God is doing? Because I think when we do, when we begin to step and walk in obedience, man, we begin to realize, man, it is the Lord who is working. I firmly believe it, that God is on the move here at New City Church. I believe it uh, with all of my heart. I'm excited about it. And I will be the first to declare, man, it is the Lord. There is nothing special about me or Eric. I mean, there's a little bit of something special about Eric. We love our pastor, right? But we're not going to look at him because he's saying no. Um, but, I, but I do. I think there's something special about what God's doing here at New City Church. Man, I do. I think, man, we got a taste of that on Easter, and we're continuing to see how God is moving. And we're just trying to be obedient. We're trying to walk faithfully in the Lord. And as we do it with our own individual faith, we begin to realize more and more God is on the move. He's giving people opportunities to share their faith. People are stepping forward with baptism. And sometimes it just means we're living out a life that is honest and humble and letting God do the work. And so I, I really do think Jesus could have revealed himself in any other way. Because I mean, he's God. He, he holds all authority and power. But in that, he chose to mirror Luke 5. And I got to ask, why? Why did he do it? And I think in that moment, he was reminding the disciples in a season of now what? What do we do? He goes, remember what I've called you to do. Be obedient and be fishers of men. And that's what we are called to be. We are called to be fishers of men, to go out and live a life for Christ. We are to go out and share our faith boldly. We are to go out and love one another as God has loved us so that people will know that we are his disciples. Man, we are called to go out and bear fruit. 
to do good works, to help the less fortunate. But this is where I really see it all coming into play because I love how John declares. Now, just you got to say it like this. It is the Lord. I mean, it's just, it just doesn't ring true if you're just like, it's the Lord. Like, I mean, I feel like you got to like, come on. Like, it's the Lord. And so when John declares it, it leads us to our second half of our second point where we say obedience leads to realization and glory. Man, who gets the glory in this passage? Was it the disciples who uh, fished all night and were professionals and should have been able to catch some fish and didn't? No. Man, it's Jesus. It is the Lord. And so we begin to see like, man, God is orchestrating things and he's reminding us that apart from him, we can do nothing. And so we can build and we can work and we can toil and do all of these things. But unless we build on the solid foundation of Christ, it's all going to fall away. It's not going to be there for us. And I love how Jesus is showing that he's still in control. The resurrection has changed everything, and I praise God for that. And I love um, the Great Commission in Matthew 28 where it says, Jesus is talking, he says, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. And I, I love that because we see it in this passage that he still has authority. He had no fit. There was no fish in that net for a reason because God was about to do something. He was about to send 153 fish into the net, and all the disciples had to do was be obedient, and boom, there it was. That's just how God works sometimes. And so maybe you're in a season where the net just keeps coming up empty. And you're like, well, I don't know what to do. And I'm here to tell you, that that's not a like, hey, you just be obedient and your net's going to be full. I can't say that. I can't, I can't like, you know, in good conscience just say, man, just keep following and God's going to fill that net eventually. But I know, but I know that that's why he gives us the church. I know that's why we're not meant to walk this alone. And so I'm like, do I keep trudging down this path or do I go this way? I mean, that's the whole beauty of relationships. That's why we truly believe in authentic relationships here where we're known and people know what's going on in our lives. And why discipleship is so important. And one of the primary ways we do that here at New City is through our city groups. <clears throat> Excuse me. And so we, we are in each other's lives. And so we, we are open and sharing these things. And you're like, hey man, my net's empty. I ain't got nothing. And they're like, well, let's pray about this. Let's go to God's word and see what God is calling us to. And let's return back to the purpose that God's placed on our lives to be fishers of men. And I, I love that Jesus gets the glory here and he deserves it all. I'm like both encouraged and humbled by that. Man, I'm, I'm humbled because I'm realizing like, man, I'm not the one that's going to get the glory. In my flesh, man, I want the glory. I want it. But I'm also encouraged that, man, I'm not the one that people have to rest in or trust in because I will let you down, guaranteed. Ask my kids, all right? I, I mess it up. But, man, joyfully, man, joyfully, I, I come and I say, man, it's about God's glory. And so I have no problem, man, living this life and going, man, no, it's for God's glory because his plan is greater than my plan. If you put, your, put and try to build on my foundation and live out my plan, man, it's going to fail. But man, God, man, he deserves all glory. And so I get to just joyfully declare, man, when things are good, man, I declare it is the Lord. And when things are hard, 
I know that God's working all things according to the, those who love him. He's working all things for good according to those who love him. He's working, and I can declare it is the Lord. And so if you're in a hard season, I hope you're able to declare, even as John declared, if the nets aren't even full, that you can declare it is the Lord. He's working, and he's refining, and he's doing something. Because sometimes it'll feel like he's not, but I promise you he is. He's not a removed God. He's promised to never leave or forsake us. He's promised to be a refuge and a strength, a stronghold in our time of need. That's who God is. And so I can declare it is the Lord, whether it's good or whether it's bad, it is the Lord who is working. And so we get to see this in our third and final point today. Number three, in Jesus, we have all we need. And so let's, let's read the rest of our text together. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore, full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now, none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them. And so with the fish. And this was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. And so what we see here, I find this a little humorous. Man, Jesus had it already. He had fish. He had bread. He didn't need them to catch anything. Man, he had it all. And so we see that Jesus has all that we need. Man, Jesus had all that they needed, but he still welcomed their, welcomed their catch. And we'll unpack that in just a minute. But man, I love, Jesus said, come have breakfast. Y'all, I love breakfast. So this is another point where I'm like, man, this is a good text right here. This is good. This is really good. And then we see that Jesus served the disciples. And so what we see though, and I want to take just a brief moment and talk about Peter in this passage. And we're not going to spend a whole lot of time on this. But man, Peter's been a man of action in this passage. I'm going fishing. He's jumping in the boat after Jesus. Okay? And so we see this. He's running to get to fish. But we also got to remember Peter's backstory here that just recently he's denied Jesus three times. Now he's seen Jesus, you know, I believe twice before this, but he's still trying to figure out like what in the world is going on here. I got to figure out like what's my standing before Jesus. His demeanor seems like he's got this willingness to run to Jesus in his brokenness, but he's still trying to earn it a little bit. He's still trying to manufacture it. And I don't, I, I struggle with this myself. Like I can... If I raise my voice at my kids, um, then I'll go and I, I try to tell them that I'm sorry and uh, ask for their forgiveness. But then I'm also like, hey, you want some ice cream? You know, I want to like, hey, I want to make sure that we're good. You know, I, I want to make sure that things are okay. If I mess up at work, man, I'm, I'm sitting there like, all right, well, how can I like just layer it on a little bit? You know, I don't know if y'all are like this. I'm going to store up some good stuff for later. You know what I mean? Um, but man, that's just not the way it works with Jesus. You don't have to like earn that favor with him. That's not what we do. Man, I love that, man, we are saved by grace through faith, not of works so that no one may boast. I don't get to boast in what I do or in my salvation, but I get to boast in the Lord. And so we go back to that declarative statement, it is the Lord. Man, it's the Lord who saves, and he just calls us to simply trust and believe in him. And he's going to do the work there because he, in Jesus, we have all that we need. I'm trying to, like, build something else, a little stock, you know, a stock room of goodness. But it's not needed. Jesus doesn't call us to that. 
He calls us to trust in him and to abide in him. I love these gospel truths, man, that there is nothing I can do to make God love me any more than he does right now. I can't do anything to make him love me anymore because he's already done it. He's gone to the cross. He's defeated sin and death and left the tomb empty. And I love the flip side too, that there's nothing I can do to make God love me any less right now because of the cross. He's paid it all. And so all to him I owe. And so in these moments, I sit here and I go, okay. In Jesus, we have all we need. So we can, at times, and I hope this is refreshing, you can just almost, I'm going to follow this up, I promise, but you can just stop trying. You're trying, like, if I just do good enough, if I just do this, then it's going to be okay. I'll run and bring all 153 fish in the net in, which I was like, man, that's a little bit of a flex, Peter. But in that, he's trying to, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do good so that, God, I can come sit and have breakfast. And Jesus is just inviting everybody to come have breakfast. And I love it because you only have breakfast with people you like. Am I right? Unless your in-laws are in town. I'm just kidding. I love my in-laws. Ron and Carol, I love you. Okay. Um, I do. I love, I got great in-laws. But anyways, back on track. But he invites them to come have breakfast. Man, he does. How sweet is that? How sweet is that? That he just invites them to come. And, he, and then he welcomes it. This is where just, I just begin to lose my mind. He invites them to bring their fish to he doesn't need it, but he invites them into it. And so I love that this fact is that he calls us to simply abide in him. But in John 15, we also see, man, he calls us to go and bear fruit. Like an outpouring of abiding in him and him being all that we need, we're going to go bear fruit. I love it. I love that we get to love one another um, as he has loved us so that people, so that people will know that we are his disciples. It all starts with just loving Christ and abiding in him, but we just can't stay stagnant. And so that's where I follow up when I said, just stop it. Man, I just can't. Man, I can't because I've tasted the goodness of the Lord and the old life doesn't satisfy anymore. Man, I'm realizing that he's just calling me to be obedient and walk in him because he is all we need. And so I just simply get to declare it is the Lord and I'm going to live for him because he's worthy of it all. And so I get to see this play out time and time again. And then not only does he just invite me to have breakfast, but he lets me walk in and just come and bring something to the table, though I'm not worthy. He just invites it in. and He says, hey, bear fruit. And when I bear fruit or I do good works, what it means is that he gets the glory. He gets the glory. When I love people well, he gets the glory. When I serve people well, he gets the glory. And that's the beautiful part of that is that in Jesus, it's all that we need. And he calls us just to sit and abide in him. But then it just like naturally bubbles up inside of you. Man, man, I just got to go do because he's given us a new life where the old has passed away. The new has come and we get to just rejoice. And that, man, now we have the Holy Spirit inside of us. And so we just get to go and bring about his glory. Because in verse 12, he just says, come and have breakfast. He just says, come and have breakfast. He's not asking for anything else. He's just saying, come and have breakfast. And my application wants to be, man, we should all just go to breakfast together. Okay. And I'd love that. If you want to go to breakfast, let me know. But, but in this, I, I just have to think it just means come. Just come to me. Man, when you're asking the question now, what? 
What, what am I supposed to do? Like, yes, you, you've given me this and I'm trying to figure it out now. What? Man, continue daily to come to me. And so if you're a believer, man, I think this is like one of the things I want you to take away is, man, I want you to uh, figuratively, because it'd be kind of crazy if you have it literally, uh, figuratively just go have breakfast with Jesus every morning. Man, I want you to have a deep and abiding relationship with Christ and his word. Man, I want you to have that slow, sweet time where it's not a rushed breakfast, but man, it's just, just sweet time with the Lord. Man, just, it sounds like fish and chips. I'm not saying that's what you need to have, but, but I'm just saying it's that sweet time where you're just spending it with the Lord. And so you become someone who just yearns to commune with him. Man, you, we become a people of prayer that just lean in and talk with God because he just invites us to. He's saying, come, come and talk with me. Come and just feast with me. Come have breakfast with me. Because what we see in verse 13 is this. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them. And so with the fish. <laughs> Y'all, Jesus in all of this served the disciples. He is the risen Savior. And what does he do? He serves them. I'm just like, what? But I, it's this beautiful picture to me that that's just who he is. That's, that's who he is. He came not to be served, but to serve. Man, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. That's who Jesus is. And not only does he just invite them to have breakfast every morning with him, but now he's continuing to serve on our behalf by interceding to the Father continually. I'm just blown away by it. I'm blown away by the fact that it's in Jesus we have all we need. That it's, I, I don't do anything. I'm just called to come and have breakfast and he's going to serve me. In all of my mess, he's just going to serve. And he's going to love me. And if you're here this morning and you don't know the Lord, that invitation is still the same. He says, come. Come to me. Man, my table's open. And I, I love that. I love that he just invites us in. He's done all the work. We don't have to manufacture it. He just says, come and believe in me. Trust in me. What a sweet gift that is. A free gift. Man, I love it. Because none of us is righteous. Not, scripture tells us, no, not one. And I'm like, man, that hurts. But it's also, on the flip side, I know that I can't boast in it because it's a free gift of eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. And so, man, that's a big step. And I know that. And so if you want to talk with somebody today, come find me. I'd love to talk with you. Man, go have breakfast with the person you came with, and they'd love to talk with you about it. But I'm also, here, I, I, as I listen to this, and I've been trying to preach this to myself all week, for, for the believer in the room, what, what is this? What do we do? Man, I, I think it's very simple. Man, we come and have breakfast with Jesus. Man, we abide in him and we rest in him. Man, we come alongside one another and spur one another on to holiness because we know, man, it's not based on anything we earn, but man, we simply get to rest in that. And out of resting in Jesus, then we get to see all of this obedience leading to more and more glory for him. But before we jump to it and just try to manufacture the glory, I want to call you just to rest and to have breakfast with the Savior. 
because this is this will be my last little thing here it's just a foretaste i love it man i love that we see jesus with his disciples having breakfast man but one day it's gonna be better than breakfast man let me tell you it's coming for those who trust in the lord we are gonna one day walk into glory and he's gonna say come to the wedding feast man come sit at this table come with me for all of eternity and just feast on this feast and just set your eyes upon the Lord and we'll sing praises and glory forevermore. And it's going to be a party of all parties and we are going to rejoice for all of eternity. And so I love that that's the picture, the foretaste that it comes. The man, when he says, come have breakfast, it's an invitation that man, we're going to have breakfast with him in the morning. And as we get into the later evening of eternity, man, we are going to have a wedding feast and a celebration because he is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And so that is, that's what we have there. We have just the invitation to come, have breakfast with the Savior because it's for all of us. So let's pray together and worship. God, I thank you so much just for making a way. Jesus, you are the one who has made a way for us to come to you, made a, made a way for us to be in relationship with you. God, you are the one who deserves all glory, honor, and praise. And so we give it to you this morning. I'm so thankful that we are able to open up your word and to see that, Lord, you are what satisfies above all else. That God, in all of this, Lord, we can trust in you that you'll have all that we need. <laughs> that you just invite us to come. And so, God, I pray that we do. I pray that we continually come before you and simply abide in you, knowing how good and sweet you are. See your name that we pray. Amen.